and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Somer Esat from Blizzard, who will talk to us about guiding engineers in their career paths for short. I will tell you a bit more about the topic, but before that, Somer, please give us a chance to get to know you a little better. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Thank you, Carolina, for the introduction. Hello, everyone. My name is Samir. I am an engineering manager at Blizzard. Starting with what I do right now, I mean, I've been at Blizzard for eight and a half years, and currently I'm the engineering manager on the Overwatch team at Blizzard, which is fun, especially if you enjoy the game Overwatch, which I do. I grew up in Australia. I did a computing degree in my hometown. I always wanted to be a software engineer. Uh, Once I figured out what I wanted to do, it took me a long time, maybe until I was 17 or 18, to sort of, you know, put my head together. After school, I went and worked in the government and I did various roles working either directly for some of those government departments like the treasury or various consulting roles. I figured out that consulting was something that was very fun for me. You can go and work in lots of different places for relatively short periods of time, a year here or two years there, and just sort of get the breadth of experience with the software footprint and the technology footprint across the government. But eventually that led me into leadership and management, especially as I became more senior as an engineer, more experienced. And then after around 13 or 14 years, I decided to try something different. And so I came to Blizzard, which is in Irvine in in California. And I took on a role as an engineering manager at the company. At the time, that was with a group called Corporate Applications. That was a lot of fun. It was a great team, and we worked on an application called Atlas. And Atlas was an application that they used to support the customer base of Blizzard. And so the fun thing about that is not just working for the first time engineers in the US. And so I don't want to get into the subtleties, but there's a lot of differences I found, at least at first, culturally speaking, between you know my engineering world in Australia and in America, but perhaps that's for a different time. That was sort of interesting. And then on top of that, we had this sort of interesting directive, which was to build this application. And this application talks to all of the different systems there. And so it was an excellent way to get a broad exposure actually to all of the different aspects of systems at Blizzard in terms of the games and the backend systems and everything else. So I did that for a year and a half and then the opportunity opened up on the Overwatch team. I applied for that as the engineering manager position. I went over there and started there. I think it was in September of 2015 and I've been there since then. And it's been an interesting ride. When I joined, Their previous manager had decided to move on to one of the other teams. And I think there was still a little bit of the question of whether or not the role was valuable or not. And Mm -hmm. I think that many different things that people perhaps, you know, aren't sure of or aren't clear on, it it takes time to understand those things, to sort of experience it and to sort of, you know, like form an opinion of, well, well, is this useful or not? And so early on, it was very much the balance of adjusting to that new role, the new team, the new way of doing things, learning about how games are made as well, because that was important because building, you know, an application versus a game is two very different things. And so that was a learning experience for me as well from the beginning, because I hadn't worked on a game before. 
But fortunately, you know, they were open to the role and open to me as well. The first period of time was spent getting to know everyone and getting to know the team and the way the team functions and, you know, all, all of those different things, how games are made and so on. And so, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey. And then since since joining, that's what I've been doing for the past seven, seven years, it years sounds. or so. Yeah, I guess I could say that I'm quite familiar with the position now after that much time. And it's been a roller coaster. I mean, you know, we have a lot of ups and downs and, and, you know, that's just part of engineering, I think. And just in general, trying to come together with people who are passionate about making things and then trying to do the best that we can. And so, you know, that, that always involves up and down and making mistakes and learning from these mistakes and trying to be better and so on. So from my perspective, it's been a fascinating ride and I've really enjoyed uh, every moment of it. That brings me to, I guess, today. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing about your background. I think uh, that really gives all of us a, a little bit of perspective. You were sharing about yourself and the question that immediately came to my mind when you said you applied for the position within the team was, who was the one who supported you when you were making this decision? Can you give an answer to that? It's a difficult question to answer because there are a lot of people in my life, obviously, you know, family and, and others who, who are supportive of me. But I guess I'm the type of person who I figured out at some point, maybe after I finished university, I figured out that there is a formula to these sorts of things with respect to desire, right? And so if you desire something, I have a goal. My goal is X. And this isn't rocket science. You know, everyone sort of who's thought about this knows this, but you know, it, it typically comes down to, hey, I want to do this. Okay, how do I achieve that? What's involved in achieving it? And then what are some practical first steps I can take to get there? And then how do I move forward from there? And an example of that was uh, at one point, I was a Microsoft certified solution developer, which at the time was the premier sort of certification. It was MCSD.net for, um, you know, a, a Microsoft developer. And that was my background. It was in the Microsoft stack, BBC Sharp and those sorts of things. And, you know, there were five exams that were necessary to do that. And, you know, you, you sort of look at that and it's like a mountain in front of you. But, you know, obviously you break things down and you take it one step at a time. And eventually suddenly you realize, oh, my gosh, I just finished the last exam and I, and I got it and I'm done. So in this case, I saw the game and they had sort of made it available internally, right, just to, uh, to, to folks working at Blizzard to, to get initial feedback, right? And so this is when... Uh, in 2015, when, when I sort of first saw the game itself and had a chance to play it. And I fell in love with it immediately. And so I was very motivated to, to get involved. I really wanted to help, you know, whatever I could do to help. Hey, I want to help these guys out. And, and um, I don't remember how, but somehow I, I noticed that they were looking for this position. Uh, and so I decided that I wanted to apply. And uh, when it came time to preparing for that, I spoke with you know, my director, I suppose, at the time. Um, and first of all, there's a courtesy, you have to let them know, I suppose, that, that you're thinking about this change because it has some impact on my existing team, of course. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, we, we sort of talked about it a little bit, but to be honest, it was, in, in my world at the time, at least anyway, I didn't know anyone who was developing games. And so, you know, where I grew up and the places... Um, you know, where I had been before I came to Blizzard, there were no game studios there and, and nobody was involved in making games unless they were doing it as a hobby on the side or something like that. 
at least to my knowledge. And there may have been a studio, but I, I, I don't think so. And so it was never really an option in terms of like a career path or anything like that. And so because of that, I also didn't know anyone in my circles of engineering that had worked on a game team or knew about making games or engineering on a game team. And so from my perspective, I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it, to be honest, because I didn't really have any idea about how the team functioned or what they were looking for in the role. I had a job description. And so I spent time looking at that. I spent time looking online, obviously, to see if I could find, you know, information about other people that had spoken about being an engineering manager on a game team and so on. But ultimately, I, I, I just kind of went in there with good intentions and good faith and, and you know, my experience behind me a little bit. And and uh, it was a it was a long process. There were, I think, 11 or 12 interviews and they wanted me to really speak to everyone on the team as, you know, all the leads, at least at minimum of the engineering leads, the technical director, you know, the, the, the production director and, you know, other various folks, the HR person and so on on the team. And so I actually started to learn a lot about, you know, their expectations and the team throughout the interview process itself. I think the most difficult aspect of that interview was with the technical director. They were a person who, as I said, was sort of still sizing up the role and the value of the role and so on. And so that was an interesting discussion. But, you know, it was all fun and I really actually quite enjoyed it. And fortunately, they, they enjoyed talking to me as well. And so uh, it was, you know, it was just sort of lucky, I guess. And so we had good conversations and I must have said the right things. And then, you know, they wanted to move ahead and that was how it happened. I think that one was a little bit more luck than anything else because I, I, I wasn't really able to prepare too much in terms of someone sort of coaching me or helping me through that process. Um, by that point, I had done a reasonable amount of hiring and recruiting and other things. So I kind of knew how to approach interviews and, and what people look for in terms of the, the recruiting process. But um, but it was, um, it was a new ground for me, something out of my comfort zone a little bit. So that was fun. It was good. I enjoyed it. Thank you. It almost sounds like you were co-creating the position somewhat throughout the interviews. You you were also figuring out what they were expecting of you and they were also getting to know you and and figuring out how you can be a value add to the so, position. I think that is true. I think it took a couple of years to start to really dig deeper into that and to really find the the finesse, you know, like the the right just, just the right touch there uh, in terms of how the role can be most effective for the team in the way that they work and in the way that they like to get things done and so on. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Thank yeah. you. That that gives us a really great segue into me mentioning again today's topic, which is a mouthful, supporting developers on their paths to level up and guiding seniors' choice between an IC or a manager path. And... With that, it sounds like our first key takeaway is that you shouldn't beat yourself up because sometimes it takes a couple of years for you to actually fit into the position or, or to grow into, into the position. We sort of touched on this in the beginning. Please tell us a bit about your position right now and how it supports engineers and how you are in engineering my position is the engineering manager on the on the team on the overwatch team and so the role itself is interesting i wanted to talk a little bit about this because the engineering manager role has different incarnations depending on who you talk to which company you're 
you know, referring to and so on. Like it, there are multiple definitions of what this is. In my world, that definition is very specific. And that is that it involves supporting the engineers and the engineering department. Okay, and so uh, at Blizzard, actually, we call this role in some cases the department manager role. And there are versions of this for art, design, engineering, production, you know, and so on. You know, I've seen in other cases, engineering manager could be like the manager and technical lead in one. It could be manager, technical lead and product owner in one. And all these different sort of incarnations of how to sort of combine, you know, managing and leading a team. And in this case, the, the engineering department at Blizzard on Overwatch, it's, it's reasonably large. There are around about, you know, 65 individuals or so. And so it's not a small team. It's not a, a 10 person team, it's quite large. And so it requires structure to manage effectively. And there are different sort of schools of thought around this as well, in terms of how to approach structuring a team with respect to how you run the team and manage the team and lead the team and so on and so forth, including all the way up to no structure at all and just having anonymous contributors doing whatever they want and things just magically happen. But uh, in our world, um, that's not the case. The way that we approach this is through the manager and lead and technical director. They form the leadership structure of the engineering team itself. We also have the concept of subleads and other things like that. But generally speaking, we have the technical director who's responsible overall for the technical implementation and direction of the game itself. So, so they're the owner of the engineering side of the game. And then we have various leads and those leads are broken up into their sub teams that focus on different areas of the game, the engine, the gameplay, tools, reliability, server, UI, and whichever sort of specific area you want to organize around. And then within each of those sub teams, there is a lead and then some individual contributors. So there's a tools lead, there is a server lead, an engine lead, a graphics lead, and so on and so forth. And the idea is that in my role as engineering manager, I work with the engineers on the team, the leads on the team, and the technical director to help make sure that engineering is coming along. It, it's, it's functioning well. We're able to get things done. People feel supported. The needs of the team are addressed in terms of recruiting or career development, obviously, and other aspects. And so the role is very much a support role. It's a supporting role. And one where, in my sort of estimation, it, it feels like my success hinges on the team's success. If the team does well, then I do well. And that's basically the way that I look at it. And so the question is, how do I support the team such that they can do well? And it's a great question. How do you? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I feel like that's I was the... Afraid you were going to ask me that. <laughs> that's no. the the meat of the project right and to me it sounds like you are i feel like this is so personal but it sounds like you're a caring person who understands the business value behind caring for the engineers and making sure that they feel like they are cared for but if you could give us maybe a couple of examples as to what you do on a daily basis, I think that might shed some light on how we should all yeah. care for engineers. So primarily my role involves talking to people. And that may seem odd, but really that's where a lot of the focus of the role is. 
speaking to people, hearing their achievements, their concerns, understanding you know what they need in order to be successful in their role or the things that worry them or and and so day to day what this looks like is i spend time in meetings with folks like one-on-ones for example i gather information i share that information with for example the lead and we talk about how that information might be useful to us in terms of managing and, and leading the team that information might also be useful for the technical director for a broader or more strategic level of thinking. And then ultimately, there's also the broader team itself, the game team. And so sometimes as I talk to people and gather this information, it, it can be helpful to share this information with the broader team as well. For example, it may be that generally speaking, and, and this is the benefit of this role. This role requires, at least in in my incarnation of the role it requires that you speak broadly with folks and so you get a broad picture of how people are feeling what themes have developed in the near term for example it may be that there's general sentiment that whenever someone is is getting up in front of the team to talk about work that they're doing it's very positive you know like it because they like to know about challenges that others are going through like oh like you know one of the designers came up and shared information about you know this new thing that they're working on and it's not ready yet but they shared some of their challenges and, and what they're thinking about they asked for feedback and so that can be a valuable thing it brings us a connection to that person and their work and so on and so it brings cohesion to the team it brings you know awareness and so on and so forth and so that could be you know a positive thing like that might be could be broadly discussed you know like in these one-on-ones for example hey like um besides you know like we talk about the work that they're doing and and you know how things are going but you know, is there you know, other things they might share? They might share that kind of feedback, like, hey, like, I really appreciate when folks get up in front of the team and share those things. And then I can share that more broadly. So, I, you know, that may be, maybe I can go and tell the, the design lead, hey, design lead, I heard from my group that people really appreciate folks getting up in front of the team. And this may seem far from career development and engineering management and so on, but it can be as, as sort of squishy as that in, in the sense that the things that make people excited to be at work and enjoy themselves at work and feel comfortable and happy to to contribute could be even things like that that just hey i feel a connection to the team i'm aware of what's going on and so on a large degree of ensuring that the department runs well is understanding where these things are and, and how we can sort of encourage them to continue or find areas where things aren't going so well and then encourage figure out how we them can to go better yeah so that's that's a large part of my job talking to people another part of my job is is recruiting and so that's important as well because we're always looking for talented folks and so you know we have our career site on the website and people come and apply or we have sourcing that goes out and, and talks to people and um, there's a, a recruiting department who supports us and so you know i work with my recruiter and then we're day in day out there are various different activities going on there as well and so finding the right folks Hiring them and bringing them onto the team is also very important. We're very busy. We have a lot of work. We often need new folks to help us out. There are open positions, lots of open positions. And so that takes time as well. Other examples of day-to-day, mostly as well, chatting with leads. I catch up with leads once a week. And so the broader team, maybe once a month to, to once every two months, depending on how fast I can get through 
But with leads, it's weekly. And so you sort of work through the week, you catch up with folks, and then you're sharing information, chatting with leads, understanding what their challenges are, what they're trying to achieve, sharing information with them about their teams as well, and so on. And the approach that I take is usually I, I, I do a sub-team a week. And so, you know, this week I was chatting with the server team, and so I chat with the server team. And then, you know, at the end of that, I circle back around with the lead and chat with the lead. Hey, you know, everyone's doing fine. Oh, there's concern here, the question here, this came up there, maybe we should try this there, and so on. So there's a significant partnership aspect to this role. It's a partnership with the engineers, a partnership with the leads, and the partnership with the TD. And at each level, the TD is the technical director, at each level, there's a shared sense of commitment to a successful outcome. So when I chat with an IC, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, how how can you know how can I help them be successful in whatever it is they're trying to do in terms of like their day to day, right? How can mm-hmm. I support them? When I talk to a lead, it's the same thing. I need to help support them, but also how can we help them be successful in terms of their team, how they're leading and managing their team? And then when I speak to the TD, how can I help the TD be successful in managing and leading the leads? and also just the engineering department overall. And so there, at each tier, there's sort of different sort of scope and considerations that apply. But ultimately, the theme is the same. How can I help folks be successful in what they're trying to achieve mm-hmm. in terms of their day-to-day role? To me, you made it sound like with your role within recruitment, that's also sort of like a career progression kind of role since the people who are joining mm-hmm. should be satisfied with whatever they are doing. Right. When you when they come to the company and also they should fit as much as they can and also bring as many new ideas as possible into the the existing company. And since you sound like you are the one most in touch with like the pulse of uh, of the the engineering team, you are one of the best people to to talk to if they are unsure or if they if they don't know if they're gonna fit. So let's talk about something specific. What if there is an engineer or there is a lead? I will leave it up to you if you want to share a story or if you want just to think about this as a thought experiment. But what if someone expresses to you that they are feeling like they're ready to move on to the next step in their career development? What are some of the steps that you take to help them? So we spend a lot of time, especially with new hires, but just in general, making sure that folks understand the expectations and the definition of each of the different levels as you progress through your career. And a couple of years ago, I led a strike team to actually define or redefine, clean up, I suppose, what what those definitions were. And that was... That was very helpful because it's important to have good clarity around what is expected of me as an associate engineer or as a, uh, a mid-level engineer or senior engineer and principal engineer and so on. And so generally speaking, if, if we've done our job reasonably well, folks have some at least awareness of the definition of, of these roles and what is expected. And then ideally, as they as they do work and as they do things, the way that we approach this is that the the lead, you know, works with them day to day, they do their code reviews, they prioritize their work, they assign work and just sort of being a lead, I suppose. 
And so they start to, to form a picture of where this engineer is in terms of their career development. What are they capable of? Where are their comfort? What are they comfortable with? What are they not comfortable with? And so we try to give feedback continuously. That's important. And we also try to assess, or just naturally, I guess, we assess continuously as well. And as things happen, it gives us information. It gives us data to respond to. That could be like something happened and we need to give feedback or something happened and we notice, hey, that was great. They're really doing well. That's consistent now, et cetera, et cetera. And so when someone feels that they're ready to progress, it's often not in a vacuum. Uh, in the sense that, hey, I, I, I feel like I'm ready and then nobody else knows what's going on is, is very uh, unlikely. And so when that happens, and this is quite common, especially with sort of more on the junior side, they're very interested in understanding how do I get to the next level? And to be clear, this isn't everyone. Not everyone is sort of geared around that mindset. Some folks are very driven by that. They want to sort of move up for many different reasons. It could be for recognition, the title, money, etc. There's there's lots of different reasons why folks might be pushing in that direction. But there are others who are a little less or significantly less concerned. They're just, you know, they're excited to be there. Give me work. I want to do work and, you know, so on and so forth. So it depends. But for folks that, to get back to your question, are, are sort of feel that they're ready for the next level, we always encourage folks that ownership of your career is important. You own your career. You should be the one to bring up these discussions, to to engage with us. And if you're not comfortable doing that, that's fine. We'll we're very experienced doing this, and we'll, we'll we recognize when folks are growing, and and we will recognize and reward folks as they progress through their career as best we can. But the first thing to do there is to really engage and say, "Hey, I, I feel like I'm doing a great job. How do you feel about?" what is in your mind about how do I get to the next level and so on. And so we always come back to, to first principles, the role definition itself. What are the expectations at the next level? Let's look at that. Let's understand that. And let's see how you fit in. And so that's not a checklist to be clear. That's a very sort of general definition that could differ depending on who the lead is and who the manager is and so on. But it sort of gives you a sense of like what the expectations are. And so recognizing where this person is with respect to the next level and how they're progressing towards that next level is important. Helping them understand if there are any sort of concerns that are there and so on. And this is a thing that I like to do in partnership with the lead because the lead often has the ground level awareness of where things are at. And it's really more in the case of like, for example, situations where if a person's generally doing well, then both the lead and I have a very clear picture of, of how things are going. We've talked about it. There's data there to discuss and share and so on. But there are sometimes situations where, for example, an engineer may disagree, right? They may say, hey, like, I, I believe I've mastered this. I believe I'm ready for the next level. And so that's where we need to be a little bit more sensitive to that and careful and just recognize their concerns, understand where they're coming from, and then sit down and sort of talk through that together and figure out where we're at. And it's important because if we're not careful about how we do this, we need to make sure that we're equitable in our approach and fair and balanced across the team. We need to make sure that we're not setting anyone up for failure as well. And so if we promote someone too early, for example, and then the expectations are significantly higher beyond their level of comfort, then, you know, maybe we set someone else, someone up to, to fail. And so ultimately, you know, it comes down to conversation. Let's talk, let's understand how you're feeling, what's in your mind and so on. It can be difficult as well, especially when we know that a person is 
is absolutely ready for the next level, but there are processes in place and other, other aspects that sort of relate to that, that mean that we can't just promote someone on the spot, for example. And so there's a process that needs to be adhered to. And so that can take time and patience is required. And, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to say to someone, oh, absolutely, we guarantee that this will happen. It's hard. And, and that can be hard for folks, especially people who feel very strongly that they're ready and, and want reassurance. They want reassurance. They base decisions around those sorts of things. And that can be that can be challenging. That can be very difficult. Do you want to share a little bit about your process that you mentioned? What engineers, for example, need to do to move to the next level so that other listeners can learn from your process in this sense? So the the simple answer is do work. <laughs> But obviously it's more complicated than that. And so the idea is is that at least within our organization we have the expectation that we have these levels and then we have the expectation that an engineer can meet the expectations of, of those levels, perhaps not every single thing, but to a reasonable degree and at a fairly consistent level. And so the way you do that is you do things to demonstrate that you have the necessary skills, right? And so some of the skills may be, well, you know, that you're able to reasonably estimate a piece of work, right? So that's a skill that's challenging to teach. It takes knowledge of the code base. It takes an understanding of yourself and how long things take you to do and what sort of things you need to look out for that may get in the way of you delivering things and so on. And so that can be a hard thing. It takes time to master the subtle art of estimating things correctly. And so it may be that the expectation of the lead is, is that, yes, this person is progressing well. However, there are a couple of areas that they still need to work on. And so the way that you approach that is you recognize those things and, and share that feedback and talk about it. And what's important there is that when you give this feedback, for example, we can say to someone, hey, your estimates need to improve or your communication needs to improve. Well, that's great, but what does that mean? How? And so I've seen uh, examples of where we've said these things to people in the past and they've said, yeah, I understand what that means. Be better at estimates or be better at communicating or whatever the things that we're saying to them are. But in reality, they have no practical sense of how to go about doing it. And so I think it's very important not only to identify with help from the lead, where are the areas where perhaps this person has opportunities to grow, but also practically speaking, how does that happen? And then talk about it with that person as well. And so the idea is, is that you are assigned work, you do work. As you do that work, things happen. You make mistakes or, you know, things go well or they don't go well. And that's just engineering. Engineering is hard, you know, like it's, it's challenging. And so there's often things to talk about when we do work. So the idea is, is that you do work. And then once that work is, is done, you take a moment, retrospect it, think about it. How did it go? What went well? What didn't go well? How would you approach things differently next time now that you have the, the hindsight? And do that with your lead. Sit down with your lead, ask them their opinion. What do you think went well? What can I do better next time? And so on. And so there is a, you know, a reasonable approach to that. You assign work, you do the work, you retrospect the work, and then you explore. And then out of that maybe comes some action items. So next time, hey, let's, let's try this. I'll help you with that next time. Or for sure this worked well, so let's keep doing that. And then so through this process of iteration, which figures largely in game development, but through this process of iteration, you can also iterate on your growth as well. 
And so you iterate on your growth, you, you know, and as you, as you go along, you sort of, you start to master certain things and then new things will come up as you do harder things or bigger things or more challenging things. And so it never ends. And so through that process, we continue to grow. And so the, the key there is that you need to have, you know, a, a supporting, a supportive lead who is paying attention to what you're doing. And you're also paying attention to what you're doing yourself. And so when you come to these retrospectives to discuss this thing, and to be clear, this isn't a broad retrospective. This is you and your lead, maybe. And so this is where you sort of bring your innermost thoughts about how it went. Try to be honest about it. Hey, I really feel like this part of it went great, but this part was terrible. It really didn't go well. And here's why I think it didn't go well and how I think maybe next time I can do differently. What do you think? And then there's an opportunity there for some coaching from the lead as well. Awesome. You know, as you do that and as you iterate over that, over time, of course, you start to master certain things and things are less of a concern than they were previously or less of an issue they were than previously. And so incrementally, you, you move forward. And eventually you get to the point where it, you, you sort of mastered the expectations that we have for a person at your level and you're exceeding those expectations on a regular basis. And once that happens and you, you're feeling confident and comfortable and the lead feels the same way, for example, and they recognize this, then you know the person is ready. And so often as that happens, and especially as you start getting a little more senior, you start to recognize that moment and you you, you yourself will, will understand and know along with your lead, hey, I'm, I think I'm ready for the next level. I love that. Thank you for making the summary because I was just going to say, if I understand correctly, there are the tiers or levels mm -hmm. for for engineers and for managers and they are written down like a specification, like this is the kind of behavior that you need to go around with. And then you need to be open to feedback from your direct manager or from everyone basically. And you need to be able to introspect and see whether or not you are behaving in such a way that is correct within that level or it's better than what the expectations are and then you also need to be able to talk about it and maybe not just introspect but be open about your findings and and as you said retrospect about what you have done and how you are gonna change for the better in the future yeah it's, um, it's sort of this incremental yeah. growth and so i i do want to say one thing like there's no correct way of doing this uh obviously you know like i think correct is is sort of an interesting term but over time, you start to get a sense of at least specific to perhaps our team and the way that we like to do things in terms of engineering and development, what type of things work well and what things don't work so well. For example, let's just say that you estimate a thing and, you know, the estimates don't play out well. Okay. And so you retrospect that and you say, all right, well, why didn't it play out well? Oh, well, there, there was all this discovered work. I didn't understand the feature. Maybe I didn't take the time to think about it at first. And so... There's no correct way to solve that, but there are things that you can do to improve your chances. And so the lead, this is where the lead might say, all right, well, when you're estimating things, maybe consider coming up with an initial idea and then talking to some folks, some of the more senior engineers, get their perspective, ask the person who's most familiar with that code base, hey, I'm implementing something here. You know this code base. What do you think of my estimates? Are they reasonable? Solicit input and feedback ask your lead and it's not cheating it's uh, sometimes it's people feel this way they feel like oh i have to do it myself otherwise i'm not going to be attributed with the achievement and that's not true 
the best way to do these things is to what Tim Ford used to call an engineer on, on our team, tapping the brain trust of the room. And so there are a lot of smart people in the room and they're very willing to help. And so sometimes it just requires a little bit of extra time to solicit that feedback. And then you have a chance to get some input and maybe improve things and make them better. So it's not so much the correct way of doing things, but more, hey, this has been done many times over. And by experience, we know that using these different approaches can yield a better result. Yeah, I could have chosen a better word. That was incorrect of me okay. to say correct. But, uh, but I, do, I do think that there are many ways to correctly do a thing and they're all going to be good. And then some good solutions are better than others in a given set of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that there is only a single version no. of behavior that's going to that's gonna help someone. No, and to be clear, the reason I clarified that is more because I had defined, like I had talked about our role definitions. And I wanted to be clear that, you know, this isn't, this isn't a checklist or it's not that we expect everyone to take exactly the same approach. There are different ways of doing these things that could equally bring success. And so it's important that we are clear on that because we don't want to have the impression that everyone is expected to behave in exactly the same way. And that's not the case at all. Of course, humans aren't like that anyway, but it's important because we're not looking for, you know, we're not looking to sort of make a, production line of engineers here. We want people to be imaginative and creative and, and use their own flair and judgment as they approach these problems. And these are just a different set of problems because one engineers love problems, of course, and problems could be like, well, how do I, how do I load some data in a file or how do I shave off a few milliseconds off the, the, the SIM or something like this, you know, like engineering type problems. And then there are problems with respect to how I get my work done and how I, work with others and so on and so forth. And so being a developer encompasses, in my definition of what a developer is, encompasses all these things. So the team is made up of developers and developers, they do things like engineering, for example, but they also need to do other things like talking to people or collaborating with others and knowing when they're going to go past a deadline so they can surface that to the people who make decisions around timelines and other things like that. So there are lots of different aspects that go with it as well. It sounds like you're very cognizant about creating an atmosphere where fuzzy around the edges isn't a problem. What immediately came to my mind was like, you do work with engineers, so maybe fuzzy around the edges isn't their cup of tea to begin with. To begin with. If you could share a little bit about that, like do you hire for people who are I mean, everybody's trying to hire for people who are more, you know, solution oriented and aren't stuck to a single set of tech stack or some technologies. But like, in your opinion or experience, what are some of the precursors to the kind of mindset that you're looking for? How could you describe the engineers who are, who are more okay with this kind of flexibility? I think it takes experience to, to get there and a little bit of confidence as well. And so the see the 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 scope within which I work is the scope within which I work is is the engineering team itself. And so it's a very specific environment that has a specific set of we're doing work within this environment. And so in the context of that I think that 
it's possible to build up a degree of confidence in your role. You're confident in the code base, you're confident in the way the team works, you're very familiar with things. And so as your familiarity and confidence grows, the flair and the flexibility increases as well. And so I find that, for example, when we hire a very junior engineer, they're quite malleable in, because they're, they're not sure, they haven't made up their mind yet how their style should be or how they should approach things. But they're also very unsure. And so for folks like that, we tend to provide very specific guidance. All right, work on this thing. When it's done, let me know, et cetera, et cetera. And so it just, I mean, depending on the individual, but, but generally speaking, you're sort of paying a little more attention to that. Maybe not micromanaging, but just sort of just being more supportive, helping them out, reviewing their code more often, helping them understand why we make decisions the way that we do and so on and so forth. And then as these folks grow, they have role models around them. Okay, so this is very important. We encourage people to do this a lot. Look at other folks around you, uh, you know, more senior engineers, especially. How do they approach problems? How do they approach communication and other sort of aspects of their role? Use that as a basis to help you understand how more senior folks, more experienced individuals do things. And so it may be that when they first start out in their career with us, for example, it may be that within our environment, they're quite supported. And it's a very sort of curated and sort of careful environment, recognizing that, hey, let's not throw them in the deep end. Let's support them and give them guidance, give them some victories and help building confidence and so on, as well as recognize where are their strengths and weaknesses and growth opportunities and how we can help. And then as they as they become more senior, you know, you, again, like you start to develop a sense of how the team functions. Often the more junior engineers, their focus is like this, what's in front of me, what's my task and so on. And then as you become more senior, it's the expectation, but it sort of happens naturally as well. You start to sort of broaden your perspective and suddenly you're sort of, yeah, these things are things I can do without too much trouble perhaps, but I also have enough sort of brain cycles to consider what's going on around me. and and think about how this work intersects with other work, what the bigger picture is, and so on and so forth. And so that transition as well can sort of lend itself to a better sort of sense of fuzziness around the edges, as you called it. You feel comfortable in your environment. You're a skilled and professional engineer, and you can apply your knowledge and experience to do amazing things. You know, on our team, we encourage that. We're not a top-down team where we tell people, hey, like even at the most senior levels, hey, you know, this is what you're doing, do this. It's more like, hey, here are some goals we need to meet. If this interests you, great. Or, hey, we need this done. I know it's not your favorite, but we need to get it done. So there's different flavors. But it's more about independence and ownership and just developing a sense of expertise. What you, what I gather from what you said is that for, for juniors, you kind of need to pay more attention and, and give them more specific feedback and more guidance and coaching in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I want to jump into the great divide from individual contributor to manager mm -hmm. and how you kind of made that transition. Because if I am not mistaken, you you did make that transition from from individual contributor to now talking to people, um, which is great. <laughs> I, I work a lot with, with junior engineers. I feel that from their perspective, it sounds like it's not the same kind of job. And it is not the same kind of job, but both jobs are necessary for successful products to be delivered and developed. So 
So how do you help people who are in this divide or they're thinking about this divide? So it comes up fairly regularly, I suppose. One thing that I haven't mentioned along this way is I take a lot of time to ask questions and hear responses from people in terms of their career. What would you like to do? What interests you? What excites you? What are you passionate about? The more junior engineer often doesn't know. I want to try everything. They'll try everything. And then as they start to form an opinion about the things that they enjoy doing or prefer doing, then perhaps they'll go deeper and specialize and so on. And then at some point, they'll, they'll feel more comfortable in what they're doing. And then they'll ask themselves, what does leadership look like? What does it mean to be a lead? Am I interested in that? I'm a good engineer. I feel like I'm a success. I've been successful. I'm senior. In terms of career progression, there's the principal track, which is an individual contributor, and then there's the leadership track. And so the question comes up because it's a part of their career progression. You know, which way am I going to go? There's a fork in the road. It's often a question that's easily resolved because most people will say, we'll be very sure. Usually the ICs are very sure they don't want it. <laughs> they don't want to be a, a, a manager or a lead. They enjoy coding too much and they know, they recognize early on that there's a, a balance there between as an IC, you're doing more coding and as a lead, you're doing less coding. And so some people feel strongly about that. I think it's important that you understand the motives, right? Because sometimes people don't, have a good sense of what they want or why they want that. So for example, you might say to someone, hey, uh, you know, you mentioned to me that you're interested in being a lead. Why do you want to be a lead? And they'll say, well, I want to, I want to make all the decisions. <laughs> and it's like, well, that might be a good reason, but, but maybe a lead involves more what you than do. just that. Maybe they're describing to you a world where they're responsible to make all the technical decisions. So they want to be maybe a tech lead as opposed to a lead and they are, have very little interest in the people side of things. It's just more that they're interested in ownership of the tech so they can drive the the, the direction of the tech in, in one way or another. And that's fine if if that's a role on your team. We don't we don't have that kind of role. The role that we have is as a lead is is the lead is not only responsible for aspects of the technical direction because they own the tech, but also they're responsible for their team and the people on their team as well. And so there's a little bit of a crossover between what I do and what they do as well, because they're responsible to manage their team as well as lead their team as well. And so they spend time talking with their people and coaching them and giving them feedback and so on. And I partner with that lead to do to help them do that. And so that's the way that a lead is designed, that the lead role functions in my world. And so if a person is interested in that crossroad, you know, they've come to the crossroad and they're they're curious about it. It, it makes a lot of sense, you know, it's quite obvious to then spend some time talking about well, what would the future look like in each of these roles. If you were an IC and you went the principal track, here's what, you know, the focus would be and how that looks. This is the engineering level description for it, you know, to, to help you understand. And then for the lead, this is how that looks and, and, you know, it can be quite different. And so I think that's a good starting point. And then if we establish that the person the person feels that they're interested in that, perhaps unsure, but interested at least, then you can do other things to start exposing them to aspects of what that role is. Perhaps they could spend time with their lead in areas that they normally aren't involved, like in planning. A, a lead is involved in planning work for the future, for example, and so that's an aspect of their role. Maybe they'll spend time in meetings with the lead where the lead is offering technical direction or guidance with, you know, on various different things that, that folks are working on. 
or perhaps we would organize some kind of training. And so there is different types of training that you could do to go and get a taste of like what leadership feels like, what some of the concerns of a lead might be in terms of like how they should think about the people or how they, they can manage well and how to be a good lead. So there are different types of trainings that are available. And sometimes people will go and do those trainings and they'll come back and they'll say, eh, you know, like I, it's interesting, but it's sort of not really for me. And then there are others who go and they say, well, I love it and I'm so excited for this and I really want to learn everything that I can. What books do you recommend? And I want to do more. And so that's sort of that initial sort of exploration. I am really getting a lot of value out of this, but I am sort of trying to put my finger around it. So if you could give us maybe some specific skills or qualities Mm -hmm. that can help someone notice if they should go in the the manager track or in the IC track. Let's say that we are in an ideal position of, I am open to both Mm -hmm. and I am a a pretty great engineer and I'm pretty great with people, but I haven't been able to decide what my next big step should be in my career. So if if they say to you, would I make a good lead? I want your opinion. Do you think I would be a good lead? Well, that's a difficult question to answer because I think that some people feel that they're not, they wouldn't be a good lead, but then they have a chance to, to try that and they actually make excellent leads. So there's no real sort of formula as such to say, oh, this person would or wouldn't be. I think patience is important. I think patience is always important, but certainly as a lead, empathy is also very important. So the ability to put yourself in the other person's shoes and understand their perspective. And, you know, being an engineer who becomes a lead, obviously you have uh, an understanding of the challenges that you go through as an engineer. And so as a lead, you can, you can sort of understand what some of those challenges are as you think back on your career as you grew yourself and so i think you know like if i was to answer that question for someone who was asking me i would say those sorts of things patience empathy and you get a sense of achievement or accomplishment or satisfaction out of helping others and so that's not just leads other engineers enjoy helping others as well if you're more excited to deliver a solution as opposed to help another person deliver a solution, then maybe, you know, that's something to think about there because the, the lead often is not involved in anything that's critical path because they're busy in meetings and other things. And so assigning them work like that can be dangerous and it can also be not a good idea for the lead as well. Put It might put a lot of pressure and so on, but you know, it often comes down to what motivates you. Is it, you know, making features for the customers or the players, or is it, you know, helping others do those things? And so if the answer is 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 the latter, then, you know, perhaps, you know, that that's an interesting and good choice for you because, you know, that's what a lead does. They enable their team to, to do work, to meet their goals, to get things done. And so sometimes that can be a very clear distinction for folks. Other times it can be a little bit of a challenge. And I've actually worked with leads who continue to find that challenging. Oh, I feel like I'm not adding value. I'm not doing anything tangible and so on. That can be the other aspect of it is, well, when I do work, I, I create something. And so that's tangible. We can attribute my effort to the creation of this feature or whatever. 
But when you're working with others and you're helping them, it's quite invisible sometimes. You know, like they, they were able to achieve the thing and they did well. But it was your guidance, perhaps, that, that gave them that extra piece that enabled them to be successful. And sometimes that's not even clear cut even to you. Sometimes right. it could just be a nudge here or a nudge there and then things play out well. But it wasn't clear whether or not you actually helped them or not. And so... And so, sorry, excuse me, but you are there to pay attention to maybe more aspects than just the lead or just the manager and and give the critical kind of feedback about those moves. Right. Although, again, that can be very hard to recognize. And ultimately, that's why I say, like, you know, if I'm if you're successful, then I'm successful. And that covers it. Up. <laughs> that basically covers it. Right. Like it's, it's sort of like the catch all. And, and how do we define success or whatever? That's a, that's a different story. But generally speaking, if we're able to get things done and things are reasonably well done, then then we were successful. And so I think that there are folks who want to be a lead but are a bit worried about whether or not they will like it. And they're also worried about whether or not they would be good at it. The only way to really find out is to do it, of course, because everyone is different. But there are things that, that we can talk about and, and explore that, that, may, that may help you, you know, make your decision. But one thing you definitely have to make peace with is, without a doubt, you will be doing less coding day to day as a lead, at least on, in my world, on my teams and so on, than, than you would be as an individual contributor because your time is spent in operation and support of the team. If you have a story for us about coaching someone or, or helping someone decide between these two choices or someone who actually tried out being a principal or a manager and then decided to not do it. How did you handle the situation? How did they handle the situation? I think that could be a high note to, to end the conversation with. Okay. So I think I'm, I'm actually going to answer this with perspectives from a couple of different examples that, that I'm going to use to, to help me answer this question. And so like individual contributors, leads also need support. And so one thing that I did, one thing that we do with leads is, you know, we, we have this concept of, of leadership coaching. And when a person, especially when a person becomes a lead for the first time, or, a new, you know, as a new lead, you know, they're, they're very unsure of the approach that they're taking. I don't like telling people what to do. I'm uncomfortable with that. We were peers, but now I'm their lead and that's uncomfortable and so on and so forth. How do I manage this situation? A person came to me and said they're unhappy about X or concerned about Y. I'm not sure how to advise them. What should I tell them? How should I tell them? Do I have to watch out for anything? And so these are all sort of common things that happen as a person makes that transition into becoming a lead. And so from these examples that I've drawn, these were some of the more common sort of things that happened where a person was excited to be a lead and they had done some of the training and they had even done some mentorship. And so this mentorship, they're a senior engineer and then they had a more junior engineer. And we wanted to make sure that not only that that person had an opportunity to mentor someone, but also establish a second owner, right? So we, we de-silo and we reduce the, um, you know, we introduce some succession as well. And so in doing so, that person, that engineer was able to work with this other engineer for a period of time. And over that time, not only transferred knowledge to them, but also was able to guide them and help them grow in their career to become a better engineer. 
as that sort of grew to the point where they were applying for leadership positions and then ultimately became a lead, it helped cement within them the idea that, hey, I enjoyed that. That was something that was, um, you know, rewarding for me. And I'm very proud of, you know, to say that I was able to coach this individual and help them grow. And, and now they're on par with me in terms of their skills and abilities as an engineer in, in this code base. And so it was a very sort of comfortable situation from that perspective to move to, to sort of shift from there to, to being a lead, at least from my perspective. However, <laughs> fear, uncertainty, doubt, right? These are all within all of us, a sense of imposter, you know, like imposter syndrome and so on. And so when this person actually became a lead, they really felt a lot of that uncertainty in a significant way. And it was very stressful for them. And, and they were very, you know, like concerned that a decision went poorly and the team reacted badly or, or they didn't approach something well and so on and so forth. And those were, were real things. But, you know, like when as you work together with this lead and the team, it's important that you're supportive of, of everyone. And so helping the other engineers understand on their team, hey, this is a new lead. They're going to make mistakes. But that's OK. You know, we're, it's OK for anyone to make mistakes. We're, we're learning and we're new at this. And um, I'm here to help. So, you know, like if you have concerns or you feel like, you know, something could be done better, then you come and let me know. And then at the same time, I talk, that's with the individuals on the team. And then as I speak with this lead, we, we take time to, hey, make sure you're paying attention to the areas that go well and don't go well, write them down, bring them to our one-on-one -on -one to discuss, and let's talk through them and spend time to analyze, hey, how did it go? What can we do differently or better? How do you think you could have done this differently, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's value as well in bringing leads together to talk about their craft. And so this is very important because there are always going to be leads that have more experience than others and so on and so forth. And so that's a good source of support as well. And so we organize leadership coaching labs where we'll get together periodically with the other leads and we'll encourage folks to share leadership challenges and so we can talk about it and, and analyze it and discuss it. How could we do it differently and better and so on. And so when we do that, not only are you able to share some of your concerns as a, as a lead, as, as a new lead, even as an established lead, and share things that perhaps you feel like you want input and feedback on, but also you hear the challenges that other leads have and you recognize that you're not alone. And so this is important as well, because as a lead, you go through these challenges, but all leads share in, in those challenges to one degree or another. And just knowing that others have a challenging engineer on their team or went through this problem where something happened and they had to deal with the fallout of that, it can be very valuable to understand that there are others in the similar position that you can seek advice from and get input from and so on. And so leadership itself becomes to a certain degree, a little bit like engineering itself. So as you engineer, you're making features, you do the things, you retrospect on it, you talk about it, and then, you know, you, you look for areas to improve. And you can do the same thing with leadership as well, where you talk with other leads and or the manager, myself, for example, and you ask questions, figure out how to do things, maybe a little bit differently next time, we'll try that and see how it goes and so on. And so the only difference is, is that leadership is, is interesting because you deal with humans. And so when you deal with humans, it's always going to be unique in different situations that come up. And obviously lots of the similar things as well, but there's always going to be some interesting, unique challenge that comes up that makes it an exciting and challenging thing to, to overcome or to, to, to deal with. 
Yeah, there, I mean, there are so many aspects to this. It, it's difficult to generalize and, and, and it's difficult to quantify it down. Like you, you talk about leads and their focus on enabling their team, for example, right? But leads also operate in a larger ecosystem as well. There are other leads and collectively the leads are responsible for aspects of the thing that we're making, the game, for example. And there's also a technical director. So how does that play into it? And so as a lead, you also have responsibilities to the broader picture, how your team is helping other teams be successful as well. And then also how you as a lead are interfacing with the technical director and the other leads to make sure that we're managing the engineering department and leading the engineering department in a, in a cohesive way. And so there's sort of managing up and there's managing down. And so, you know, these are all aspects of leadership that come into play as well. And for new leads, the focus should be the team. Let's get into a good place with the team. The comfort is with the team as well. A place of comfort with the team. Understand how work is done. Understand how we plan. We prioritize. We scope. We push back on things. We, you know, etc. Just to make sure that everyone is well cared for and we're able to get work done successfully. And then once there's a degree of comfort there, that's when it gets even, you know, like you, you add the, the, the extra layers of like, well, you know, what's the broader ecosystem look like? And that's not exclusive, obviously, you know, like it takes time to, um, you, you need to sort of consider those things as, as, you, as soon as you start being a lead. But then there are also even broader things you might think about. Like, for example, if I'm a tools lead, how should tools leadership function at the company itself across all teams? And so there are opportunities there as well as you, as you sort of continue to learn and grow as, as, as a lead as well. How can you contribute to leadership more broadly in that sense? So anyway, uh, I, think, I think it's important to recognize that this isn't an exact thing and there are many different aspects. And those different aspects may also be governed by the areas of interest that an individual has themselves. Where are they passionate? What aspects of the role are interesting to them? Some leads are very excited to be involved with recruiting, others not so much, even though obviously it serves an important function. Some leads are very technology focused. They're very they're technologists. They love solving problems and you know they're they're very engaged in the various different technical challenges of their team. Others are not so much. They're more interested in the broader picture. How are we organizing? How are we planning? How are we serving the needs of others? You know, and so on and so forth. It depends. All the leads I work with have different sort of variations of this. Some like to be on top of things a little bit more in terms of their ownership. Others are a little more, uh, you know, I, I trust the team and I want the team to, to handle these things. And I don't need to worry about it unless they come to me and tell me that there's a problem. And so there's no right answer is basically what I'm saying here. It, it's just you sort of feel it out. We have an existing structure here. And it's like when you're an engineer, you go into an existing code base and you have some reference to go by, right? Like, you know, there's a certain format and structure and architecture and so on. Well, the same thing applies in terms of these roles and levels within the team as well. So it's a similar thing, you know, like there's a flavor of leadership that we have on our team. You know, you can sort of take it as much or as little of it as you like, but there's a base level of expectation that certain things need to happen. And then beyond that, it's it's up to you to sort of do these things. And and I love that because I think it sort of brings some variety to my perspective, you know, like to my role. But but it also it's just fascinating that, you know, there are some leads that are very sort of they're differing leadership styles that apply. And there's no sort of one way that, that these things are, are done. 
and they're all equally successful and each have their challenges as well but they're all equally successful and so part of that relates to a supportive environment and to that i i i pay some respect to the to my role and then the role of the technical director and the role of the leads as a as a leadership unit that's responsible for that but again <clears throat> you know the fuzzy edges apply as you said right and so you can still be in that context a lead with fuzzy edges and, and approach things in different ways and that's fine thank you i think we have covered a lot of ground we are very much approaching the end of our time and to me it almost sounds like throughout the career progression of an engineer from and that might be true of everyone not to be it's close to 8 p.m here so i might be getting a bit too spiritual but it sounds like as an engineer starts as a as a junior engineer their perspective is very narrow and they don't know what they want so their plate is entirely full but they can only pay attention to a small chunk of their plate at a time and then as they and correct me if i'm wrong at any point in this but as they progress in their career they start being able to comprehend a larger chunk of their plate at a time and then even if they stay on the principal track and and become a principal engineer they will do the same kind of opening up your perspective within technologies and architecture and more kind of full stack development that leaders do within leadership they they open up to more people skills and and supporting people and figuring out how those people fit in the entire ecosystem of the organization would you say that is kind of correct i think so or i don't want to say correct anymore <laughs> yeah i think that's reasonable uh, i mean it's it you know again there it's easy to generalize and of course we're we're talking about humans and and people are you know everyone is different but if we were to generalize i mean you know that's over the years that's basically been you know the the experience that i've had in terms of how folks join how folks join grow over time you know with with the right coaching and so on and then eventually reach a principal level or become a lead there are very good examples of engineers who have started as interns and have become quite senior and it's fun to sit with them and recognize that growth as well you know and the journey that they've been on hey think back to you know when you first started how did you feel versus today and you know it's it's like night and day for some for some folks just in terms of their knowledge their experience you know the mistakes they made the bad code that they wrote and you know all the rest of it versus you know and everyone feels like when they look back at their code it's terrible and <laughs> what was i thinking it's a very rewarding experience to see someone go through that for me speaking personally and and there's a lot of pride in it and if along the way we can also do good work that's sort of the the icing on that cake as well and so there are things to be proud of and things to look back at and say here's what we achieved together as a team or here are the things that I did that I'm proud of and so on and it's all within that that framework nurturing framework of of hey you know come onto the team learn how to be a developer and and we'll support you as you go through your career thank you very much we have covered a lot of ground and some keywords for me for for patience and empathy and being supportive and um, 
not to be taken aback by fuzzy around the edges, but maybe embrace the differences between people. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to add to our conversation today? So I think the role of an engineering manager is is an important role. And I think that to a large degree, it's relatively underutilized in the industry. And I don't have any data for this or, or you know, figures or facts or anything like that, but it's just my impression as I look around, you know, the various teams and, and even like externally to different, you know, definitions of what an engineering manager is in different companies and so on and so forth. And from my perspective, and I'm biased, but I feel like if you have the luxury of having an engineering manager that's, that's configured in this way, then you're doing your team a big favor because if you want a team that can be stable and happy and, and you know, all those things, there are a lot of different factors to that. And I'm not just attributing engineering management to it. You need a strong vision and you need, you know, uh, good values and, you know, all these different things that, that apply to, you know, making an environment a great place for people to do amazing things. But the role itself, I think, is very... Um, it can be a very powerful addition to help a team be healthy and be successful. And so from my perspective, I I think that it's important that, and this is something I'm thinking about is, is sort of codifying this a bit better, you know, like in a, in bringing a little bit more awareness and understanding to, you know, what that role is, why it can be important, how it complements the, the existing leadership in terms of te- the, the technical leadership and so on. And, you know, like uh, an interesting question that comes out of that, maybe, for example, you might say to me, well, do you have to have engineering experience to be an engineering manager? And so a lot of people may wonder that, may ask that question. Um, and I, I think the answer is no, you don't. However, I think that you can be, a, a, you know, you'll have a significant advantage if you do. Um, because there's a, a degree of shared experience that goes with that empathy that you were talking about earlier that that really can only be expressed if you've done if you've been through those trenches and done those things and so you know the key here is that in all of this we're we're working with people and when you're working with people humans have things that happen in their lives either within work or outside of work. And those things are important because depending on how we feel, you know, it can mean, hey, I'm excited to be at work or I'm not so excited to be at work or I'm happy with how this is going or I'm not happy with how that's going. And these things are all things that we have to manage as humans. There's our emotions and our feelings and so on and so forth. And with the absence of a role like this, there, it, it may be true and it's not always the case, but it may be true that there is no, it, it can be hard to find an outlet for, for those sorts of things. And there's a, there's a nuance there that applies. For example, if an engineer reports to a lead and that engineer is frustrated with the way that that lead is doing their job, are they going to be comfortable to go and tell that lead that they're unhappy? Maybe yes, but maybe no. And especially if you report to the person that may affect your career or, you know, your progression. And so you may hold back. And so, you know, as things happen that in your life and in your work and so on, you may find yourself isolated and unable to 
share those concerns with a professional associate, right? So maybe you can talk about it with friends and family, but not so much in the professional context. And so part of the value of this role, first of all, is that when, when it's set up in the way that we've done it, for example, all the engineers report to me. So they don't actually report directly to their lead, they report to me. And in fact, I myself, I don't report to any of the leads or even the technical director. I report to what used to, well, I, it, it's now a different role, but I report to um, a person who's responsible for the department managers. Previously, it was to the production director, or, you know, the, the, the executive producer, but now it's, it's a, there's a person on the team whose job it is to, you know, look after the department managers. But this gives me the freedom and the flexibility to express myself and also support in a way that doesn't bring a conflict in terms of their, you know, in terms of my career development and in terms of the individual or even the leads career development. And so even the leads report to me directly as well. Um, and they have their dotted line relationships with their technical director or, or their lead, depending on who you're talking about. And so what I'm saying here that's important is that this role can bring a level of, of, hum, of human, you know, of accessibility of humanism to, to the to the role. I don't know how else to better express it, but but that's sort of what we spend our time talking about. How do you feel? What concerns do you have? How can I help you that that's not specific to the code that you're writing? You know, like is there anything that I can do for you? And so that's that's the importance of of what this can bring to the table. I want to be clear, it's not mutually exclusive in, in that like sometimes people have those types of conversations with their leads even if they report to their leads, they're still comfortable in sharing those sorts of things. That's, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm just saying in general, generally speaking, you know, this provides that additional degree of support. And that's what that support means. That's what it's all about is, is understanding, you know, the challenges and concerns and issues and things that are going on in the lives of humans who are here helping us to, to, to you know, get things done. And the more important aspect is, you know, these are our employees, they're, you know, they're people, you know, they're not just resources, they're people. And so that's really, really important. If you're not mindful to that, then, you know, you might as well have robots working with you and, and perhaps or, or, you know, like just um, it, it can make things difficult for folks to, to be to be settled and comfortable. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I think um, that is a really great closing to our conversation. Where can our listeners follow your work? Well, uh, I have a Twitter account. It's just my first name and last name. So twitter.com slash Samarasad. I don't tweet all that often, but um, if people have questions for me or they want to get in touch or chat about things, then I'm always happy to chat with people. So you can get in touch with me there. Thank you very much. So, dearest listeners and watchers, today my guest was Somer Esat on the Level Up Engineering podcast. He has more than eight years of experience at Blizzard Entertainment. Now he's a senior engineering manager at Overwatch. Um, and he has shared quite a bit of his experience with us today, how he helps and supports engineers and leaders within the company and within his team. I thank you for joining us today and I thank you for this really awesome conversation. I think we have all we have all something to take away from it. And uh, I am Carolina Tot and I hope to see you next time. Yeah.
Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.